Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. You all be seated. I'm going to give you a moment to center yourself as we spend a moment in silence and solitude as we prepare for the word of the Lord. Let's exhale. Uh, the ruminating automatic thoughts and things weighing on our minds and hearts this season and just bring it to the feet of Jesus and lay it at his feet and inhale the promise of the transcending primus of God in his presence Sarah Young Jesus calling September 10th I am always available to you once you have trusted me as your savior i never distance myself from you sometimes you may feel distant from me recognize that as a feeling do not confuse it with reality the bible is full of my promises to be with you always as i assured jacob when he was journeying away from my home into unknown places i am with you and will watch over you wherever you go all god's people pray Amen. Now, Brother Paul will come, come up and give us the word today. Testing? Awesome. Cool. Um, all right. So, as many of you have, might have heard, uh, Prisco was born on July 21st. Yeah. <laughs> um, and since then, my day-to-day -day life has changed drastically. Um, <laughs> and I've more or less had a single track focus um, on keeping this girl alive. Uh, <laughs> which, for those who are unaware, means feeding, burping, changing, holding, exercising, sleeping the baby every two, three hours. Um, and babies don't sleep through the night at first, so uh, they're good nights and they're bad nights. Last night was tough. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I've been up since 4 a.m. Um, my <laughs> higher level thinking functions have been turned off, and I mostly run on autopilot, so uh, keeping her alive. But suffice it to say, I have baby on the brain. So I wanted to talk about what kids and babies say about the kingdom of God. Um, and when we read the Bible, we run into the... So when we read the Bible, we run into the issue of over-relying on artificial chapters, periods, paragraphs, section headings to guide our reading. But the Bible was originally transmitted orally, um, spoken like entire books were read aloud uh, in one sitting. And so ideas were communicated in broad strokes using repetition and hyperlinks across stories. And so if we go to the next slide, uh, in today's passage, um, 
Yeah, cool. So in today's passage, Jesus's encounter with the little children is immediately followed by his encounter with the rich young man. Um, and Matthew 19 is one of those chapters of a larger section that tells us about the coming kingdom. Um, now, these separate encounters with the children and the rich young ruler, uh, when juxtaposed with each other, so when they're compared to each other, they emphasize a larger point um, or a broader idea that isn't necessarily our focus when we focus on one or the other. Um, so I want to, in today's sermon, approach the, approach the stories together uh, in one sitting. So today we'll explore Jesus' Jesus's encounter with the little children and with the rich young men together and see what the gospel writer intended, us, intended for us to glean. Um, so overall, I think that there are two main points uh, of comparison that are being highlighted in this text. You might pick up more as we go through the passage, but here are the two on the screen. The first comparison being living a good life versus desiring God and the second between autonomy versus dependence. So if you go to the next slide. So just quickly read verses 13 through 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But, Jesus rebu uh, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Um, when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So I think it's pre pretty reasonable to quickly read through verses 13 and 15 and not really get much from the text. Um, we might wonder, is it saying that Jesus liked blessing children? Uh, does the kingdom of heaven belong to kids? Who are these people herding groves of kids toward Jesus? Were they parents? Did a daycare worker unload a train of kids at Jesus? Um, and what's with these disciples that suddenly feel the need to protect Jesus from little kids? Um, I don't know. So we might wonder these things. But we'll keep the images of kids lining up to see Santa Jesus and come back to this image later. All right, next. Okay, cool. And then a young man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Next slide. Okay, so... The kids were lining up to see Jesus, and just then a young man, uh, a, a rich young man, a ruler in, according to the book of Luke, cuts the line and asks, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And when we see this conversation play out, um, keep the commandments. Which ones? You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you've paid attention to Jesus' response then, Jesus only lists the horizontal commandments or the commandments that primarily deal with human relationships. Um, so in response, the young man claimed, all of these I have kept, what do I still lack? Then Jesus says, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then follow me. Um, when we hear this, 
this then, uh, we're supposed to think vertical commandments, question mark, or the commandments about our relationship with God. Um, namely, thou shalt not have other gods before me. Um, so when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The problem wasn't his behavior towards people. He couldn't follow Jesus because he enjoyed his wealth. Great wealth occupied his heart. So the problem was this vertical relationship with God. Um, had the rich young man loved the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his strength and with all of his mind, maybe things would have been different. Um, maybe there would have been a different outcome. But given that the rich young man's given the rich young man's circumstances, he went away sad. So we see these interactions play out, and we're left to wonder: Then who is the kingdom for? Is it for good people that keep the commandments so that they can gain eternal life? Um, a few verses prior, Jesus says, "Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these." Um, and if you've interacted with kids to any degree, uh, you prob you'll probably observe that they're very honest about their preferences. They have pretty clear preferences. They'll like what they like, and they'll dislike what they dislike. They'll like chicken nuggets, and they'll dislike vegetables. They're very honest. Um, and if they didn't like Jesus, they probably wouldn't go out of their way to see him. Um, so who's the kingdom of God for? Those who desire to follow Jesus. Um, so that's just a very simple point um, of comparison um, that I wanted to make to start off in the next slide. There's something to be said about the phrasing of the rich young ruler's question, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So clearly this rich young man believed himself to be capable of gaining or getting eternal life. He assumes that he's capable of behaving correctly in accordance to the laws. He assumes that he's capable of doing good things that can earn himself eternal life. And, you know, after all, the Bible does tell us that he was a wealthy ruler. And if it's going to be anyone, it's going to be him. And we as Americans, we tend to celebrate self-confidence in our individual capabilities. We praise the self-made ideal and our systems run this way. So capability is rewarded with wealth. Wealth translates to time freedom, which translates to freedom and autonomy. But Jesus responds to this confident young uh, ruler's question with a very different question. And the question in verse 17 is, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If we read this too quickly, we won't catch Jesus's point. Um, but Jesus was comparing the good that can be done by this rich young ruler's hand against God's goodness. Um, and the point is simple, we don't compare. No matter how capable or autonomous we become, uh, we're unable to become good. And our good is not on the same spectrum as God's good, but sometimes we overestimate our own capabilities. Um, and then Jesus responded, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And this response, which is also pretty interesting, was very gracious. Um, because unbeknownst to the rich young man, uh, the function of the law or the commandments was to reveal to sinners the greatness of their sin. So the fact that he told this rich young man to go and follow the commandments was essentially pointing him to to, to figure out what that gap was. The commandments teach us that we are still sinners in need of saving. 
Unfortunately for the rich young ruler, he didn't see himself as a sinner that needed saving. And he didn't recognize Jesus as one that could save him. Next slide. Okay. So again, looking at the bigger picture, the capable rich young ruler is paired with little kids. So we have another opportunity uh, to compare the rich young ruler's capability and autonomy against a kid's limited capabilities and dependency. So uh, given that I have babies on the brain, I'll talk about newborns. Um, newborns are incredibly fragile. They can barely open their eyes, they can't turn their heads very well, they can't stay awake for very long, and they're constantly hungry because their stomachs are tiny. They depend on their parents to know when to feed them, when to burp them, know to check their diapers, to swaddle them, to put them to sleep. They depend on the care and the knowledge and wisdom and gentleness and patience of their parents, their pediatricians, and the communities to, sim uh, to simply survive. Um, but what can seeing dependency in children teach us? Um, is the point to draw attention to our weakness only, or is there some other purpose? So I think the point is to highlight the caregiver's capacity to love and sustain. So it's not necessarily just to show us weakness, but it's to highlight the caregiver's capacity to love and sustain. So depending on God means that we can look to him for the things that we need in life, and we trust him to direct us in our lives. And it's declaring our confidence in that our confidence is in God and not in anything else. We can depend on God because God is sufficient. Next slide. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go to, through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at him and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Sometimes I think the authors throw in the disciples' banter as comic relief or to verbalize what's really going on in people's heads when they hear Jesus because clearly they missed the point. Um, they're still hung up on the idea that their behavior earns them a place in the kingdom of God. Um, and even when Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter said, yeah, yeah, Jesus, but look at everything we've done to follow you. Um, surely that's kingdom worthy. Uh, and I think this exchange highlights something, a significant point, um, a significant final point for today's quick Bible study. But we are <laughs> dependent on God's work to save and redeem because with man, it is impossible. We are dependent on God's daily provision of uh, grace in our lives. But we are also made capable people to rule and have dominion over the earth. We were created with responsibilities. And we are to use those, uh, that capability to bless and be a blessing to others. So I'll end with the recent experience that I had. So when we went to the hospital for our induction at the end of July, um, Grace was cruising through the cervidil and the oxytocin until she hit a wall of pain at around six centimeters. Um, you'll know this when you're older. Uh, <laughs> we thought it was a good idea at that point for her to get an epidural because she'd be in pain for at least the next six to eight hours or so. Um, the anesthesiologist came in and asked me to hold Grace steady while they put in the epidural. And for those that are unaware, it's a giant needle that goes into the back. Um, but for her, <laughs> 
But unfortunately, the first one missed. So they took that one out and they tried a second time. And this time with a senior anesthesiologist, they got it right. Um, they got it in and in the right place. So we thought we were over the hurdle. Um, but after about 30 minutes, uh, the nurse noticed that Grace's heart rate and Prisca's heart rate began to drop. And so the team began to scramble. They called in the anesthesiologist. She showed up with a handful of needles and started to pump the IV with one shot after another <laughs> to bring her heart rate back up. And at this point, I was terrified and that I'd lose both Grace and Prisca, but what could I do? Um, so I started texting folks, explaining the situation, asking for prayer. Um, but after the scare, things normalized and we were both able to take a long nap. Um, now, I tell you the story to make a simple point. Um, each person that entered that room had responsibility. Um, there were things that they could and they could not do. And the expectation was for the medical staff to do what they could to optimize health outcomes. Yes, we depend on God ultimately, but we also depend on the skills and the knowledge of medical staff through which God works or through which God can work. Um, but for everything else, for everything else, we depend on God. Uh, for me, it's scares like these that remind me that no matter how capable I become, I'm still a little kid that depends on God to be saved. So with that, I'll close with the very familiar prayer from Niebuhr. Um, so God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Let's all stand together. This past week, um, Jenny, Jenny's grandma, she came to Christ. Um, yeah. Um, Jenny was praying with her aunt. Her aunt came to Christ during the pandemic. Um, she's pretty old up there in age now, getting up there in age, and she told um, her aunt and uncle the way she wanted to come to Christ was I want to follow Jesus tell that to the person next to you I want to follow Jesus I mean such simple words but so powerful I want to follow Jesus and she said make sure I have a Christian funeral make sure I have a Christian funeral and Jenny didn't even know that her aunt was a Christian because Jenny and Amen were praying and they were laboring and many of us were praying. And then it culminated with that childlike embrace. So I want to follow Jesus. I say this because for many of us that are telling others, our families and friends about Jesus. Sometimes it feels like the hurdle is so great. It's like there's no what if they come to Christ. It's never. There's this negative mindset. I think uh, Jenny's grandma, I remember when she visited church actually for the first time ever in her life. This year or was it last year? Last year 
And today, I want to invite you with childish, be childish and come to the Lord and say, Lord, I depend on you, your power and your presence to move through the people I love and for your work to happen. I trust you with childlike faith. So will you lift your hands to the Lord today with me? And will you pray as a child? Father, I trust you. All the good in my life, I trust you with. And all the people I love and all the people I'm praying for, I trust and lift them to you. Let's make this our prayer right now, depending on the Lord. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. Father, we come before you this afternoon. The more dependent we become to the Father, more we will believe. More and more we will believe that the Father's love and power and presence and kindness and gentleness 
is powerful enough to draw the ones we love to him. So will you pray right now as we close our service today? How do you attain eternal life? Simple. You look to the Father. That's it. The Father does the work. Jesus in the Father does the work. Because no matter how we see our parents or our families and our friends that are stubborn and pseudo-intellectual wannabes and philosophers and think that they're covered even with material wealth or whatever else, they're to the Father, they're sons and daughters, children that, that are in need of Him. So if you saw, if you're praying for your parents or grandparents, you should see them as someone like Augie. Well, he's a big baby, so maybe a smaller baby. <laughs> you know? Because that's how the Father sees them. Not this stubborn and arrogant and... The Father sees them as his own. And I pray, Father, as we depend on you, not for just all the things in our lives, but we pray that we would depend on you for eternity for others. So give them to the Lord right now. So will you bow your heads today from the benediction? <clears throat> May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.